0: Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as we find written in the book of James, reading there in the fifth chapter, beginning at the thirteenth verse. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any one of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death. And shall hide a multitude of sins. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus. I hope that all of us are here in church this morning at the call of our soul, that we do want to worship our God. Today, as you know, is the 19th Sunday after Trinity that means that we are gradually coming to the close of another church year. Now the word of God that I just read is taken out of the book of James as it was last Sunday if you recall. James is writing to the Christians of his day. And in the text this morning he is writing to them about a common problem that affects all of us. It's a naughty one. It's a very disturbing one. It's one that really perplexes us. Gets the subject of illness, the subject of sickness, when we hurt in our body. James is writing to the Christians of his day, and he's saying this, Is anyone among you afflicted? Is there anyone to whom I'm writing, are you afflicted, are you ill, are you sick, are you hurting in your body, are you suffering? James says, let him pray. Let him pray to God for healing. And today James as he speaks to you and me from the word of God, and we who are Christians in the 20th century speaking to us about this subject of sickness, this subject of illness when we are hurting into our bodies, he says to you and to me, are you afflicted? Are you ill? Are you suffering illness? If so, James, as I plead with you, pray. Won't you please pray and ask God for healing? You and I may say this morning, James, how in the world can you ask us when we're ailing and when we're sick to pray for healing? We may say, oh, I'd like to say that's fine, James. But you may look in your life and I may look in mine. We may say, what good does it do To pray for healing some of us may say this morning i prayed fervently for healing but i've still got my illness i've still got that hurt in my body james why do you simply tantalize and call upon us that if we're ill we are to pray for healing when we pray and nothing happens what do you do nothing happens there are no results And I've still got my pain. I've still got my illness. Oh, don't cannibalize us, James. But James calls to you and to me this morning as Christians and this thing of being sick. James says, are you afflicted? Are you hurting in your body? He says, I plead with you and I beg with you, pray. Pray for healing. And you and I may say, what good does it do? And James says, don't you realize That the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Or in simple language, he says to you and me this morning, don't you know that the prayer of a righteous man, it brings about powerful results. You and I may say again to James, James, do you mean to say that when I pray for healing that this brings powerful results in my life? when I ask God to heal my sickness when I'm hurting in my body that I can rest assured that my prayer will bring about drastic and powerful results and we may say where are those results James what good does it do I have prayed fervently and I've still got my illness I'm still hurting in my body but James would remind you and me that the prayer of a righteous man It avails much. It brings tremendous and powerful results. Even though you and I may say, but I've still got my illness. I'm still sick. I'm still troubled. I am still afflicted. But James would remind you and me in the first place that when we pray a prayer for healing, that this prayer joins us to God who again has shown his tremendous power in glorious results. By his power, he has brought this universe into existence, and he still controls it. We may say, where are these results that you get when you pray for healing? Where are they? I don't see them. I, I've still got my sickness. Where are they, James? And James would say, that's strange. You mean you don't see any results of your prayer for healing? You mean that in your life uh, there is nothing good that has come? And James says that's rather strange when prayer joins you to a God who has omnipotent power, who has brought a universe by the power of his word into existence and who controls it in his hands by his power. And you mean to say that prayer doesn't do any good for healing, that you've still got your illness, and therefore uh, there are no benefits and there are no great and tremendous results and then James, he was telling the people of his day, why look at Elijah the prophet. He was a man just like we are, no different from us. He was a sinner, he was a child of God. And look, he prayed one day that it shouldn't rain. And James says, and for three and a half years there was no rain and there was no dew on the face of the earth. And then he prayed again after three and a half years. And then there came rain upon the earth. Oh, what tremendous power and power James would say to you and me this morning, do you mean to say it doesn't do any good to pray for healing? He would remind us that if prayer joins us to a God who has shown his omnipotence and his power, that by the power of his word he was able to bring a universe into existence, and he still controls it, James says, maybe you're not looking in the right place. Prayer for healing brings tremendous results. Have you forgotten the glorious results in the past of healing how many of us this morning when we're ill and when again we're hurting we forget the past how many times in the past have you and I prayed for healing and we have gotten it how many headaches have you had in the past How many corns have you had on your little toes or on your big toes? How many times have you had a toothache? How many times have you had a cold? And you and I may say, but these are little things, but I'd have you know this, that death can come from any one of those things. Who are you and I to belittle the healing of God in the past? If we would just stop this morning and look back, we've got to say to ourselves, does prayer for healing do any good? You're alive right now, aren't you? And so am I. It must bring tremendous results. Evidently, you and I, were are not looking in the right place. We've forgotten to look back through the years of our lives and through the number of times we've been ill and to say, but I'm alive. Why? Because when we prayed for healing, an omnipotent God, brought results how many times even when we little realized it in the past were you and I on the brink of death but we're alive why? because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man James says it avails much it brings tremendous results and what we ought to do today then if we're hurting in body if you and I have got an illness if we're sick We ought to say to ourselves i'm going to pray like james asked me i'm going to pray for healing and i'm going to therefore be determined that when i pray for healing i am also going to use the means by which god heals bodies people are very much upset about this one incident that james mentions he said if you're sick call for the elders of the church well now when paul and barnabas went out on their first missionary journey they established little christian congregations They let men in charge, they were lay people, they were elders or presbyters as they were called. And again, James says, now if you're ill, you call the lay leaders of the church and let them come and pray. And then he says, anointing or rubbing the body with oil in the name of the Lord. A very simple explanation is this. Oil was a therapeutic thing that was used. It was a medicinal thing, as you see in the parable of the Good Samaritan, when he poured in oil and wine. In other words, James says, let them come and use what heals. Let them rub the body of the sick person to make him comfortable comfortable that this may be used and then let them pray we ought to say to ourselves and in our praying we're also going to not forget the various means that God has given in medicine and in surgery I know that there are some Christians and they're arising in the church they're saying that I'm going to get healing without using medicine I'm going to get healing without going into surgery It's just as ridiculous as to say I'm going to live and I'm going to stop eating. I'm going to stop taking fluids into my body. And I'm going to expect God to keep me alive without my eating and without my drinking. And you and I know that God's given food and God's given drink that you and I may use these natural things in connection with prayer to stay alive. God expects you and me to use the blessings of medicine, to use the blessings of surgery. Then to pray, to ask God for healing, remembering the number of times in the past that God has healed us. And then there comes this comfort that we are in the hands of one for whom all things are possible. When I can in prayer turn to him, and I can see results in the years past in my life, then I've got to say nothing is impossible for him. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man I'm telling you it brings tremendous results. But you and I may sit here this morning, we may say, that I've still got my pain. I've still got my illness. And I've prayed perfectly. Where are the results? And James says, why, the prayer of a righteous man, it brings tremendous results, powerful results. You and I may say, where? Evidently, we're, we're not looking where we ought to be looking because in the second place, James reminds us, that our prayer for healing, it joins us to God who has shown his glorious power of love through Christ for us in bringing about tremendous results. That in Christ Jesus, God's love has brought into this world what the gift of deliverance from eternal death and hell and has brought the gift of eternal life. What a God! That you and I, when we pray for healing, we're turning to a God whose love has been tremendous that he sent his only begotten son into the world, who came to the world and became a human being, born of the Virgin Mary, who died for you and me, who bore our guilt and our punishment on the cross, who arose again from the dead, that we might know that in him there is deliverance from hell for all men who desire it, and there is the gift of eternal life. We say, oh, what tremendous power of love. And you mean to say then that when you and I, when we're hurting into our bodies... And we turn in prayer to God and ask for healing, that nothing happens. That we say, what good does it do that there are no results? Perhaps we're not looking at the right place because James would remind us that that love in Christ Jesus assures us that God always grants healing. Or if he doesn't, it's because he gives something better than healing, a greater appreciation of Christ. We may say this morning, why is it that my illness doesn't go away? Why is it that it's here? Why is it that when I pray so fervently to this God and you say that he has a tremendous power of love and he has provided eternal life, why is it that it doesn't seem to do any good? Perhaps it's this, that we're looking only for healing. And perhaps Jesus in love is saying, Listen, son, I've got a greater blessing than the healing of your body right now. I'd I'd like to have you know me better. And isn't it strange when we're flat on our backs in illness, how Jesus begins to live in our lives, how you and I, oh, we may just be a hearsay, Jesus, until uh, the body begins to hurt and we're alone with him and we start to talk to him. And oh, what results come. Oh, he seems so near, doesn't he? He seems nearer than he's ever been in our lives. And just the very fact that we tell him how we feel and that we're hurting and that we are afflicted Oh, what comfort it brings, and we get to know him better, and he brings us closer to him, and our faith begins to grow. And we begin to appreciate Calvary more than we ever have in our life. He begins to be a reality. And we say to ourselves, oh, what would we do if it hadn't been for Jesus coming into the world to bring eternal life who died for us? What would I do without him? Here is my pearl of great price. Here is the great value of my life. And we grow in faith and in capacity. And prayer life becomes something that is terrific and wonderful. When we read the word of God, the word of God begins to live. And we come to church and it means something. We begin to say, oh, this is the word of God. Something has happened. We have come to know him better. And there has been an intimate relationship. Jesus says, maybe you're not looking at the right place. You are looking for healing. And Christ says, there's something better than healing for the time being. Oh, that you might know me better. That you might find peace, the joy of forgiveness, the assurance of eternal life. That I might live as I've never lived in your life before because now you have had an intimate experience. Perhaps you and I aren't looking in the right place. James says, oh, I plead with you. If you're ill and you're hurting in your body... Don't forget to pray. And don't forget to pray for healing because James says, the prayer of a righteous man, it brings tremendous results, and it does. It always brings healing. Or if it doesn't, it brings something better. That Jesus begins to really live. When you and I have experienced that, we're going to say to ourselves, whenever illness comes, I'm going to do as James said. I'm going to call upon God for healing. And I'm going to call upon him. And I'm going to know this. I'm going to look for results. And then we're going to be determined that we're going to call upon him for healing. Even if we're burdened with the idea that this illness that we've got, we brought on ourselves, that we're being punished. This is the thing that pours salt in the wound, isn't it? When we say to ourselves, I'm ill because... I brought this on myself. James rather alludes to it too when he talks about the elders praying over the sick person. And he said, and if he has sinned, his sin shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another. Supposing I've got to say to myself, I'm being punished. To be punished by illness means to have a foretaste of hell. You'd be surprised how many have this salt poured in their wounds. You'd be surprised how many say to me, I'm sick today, Pastor. I haven't been in church in 20 years. We, we have walked by that church and Christ has meant nothing. We haven't brought our kids to Sunday school. Our kids don't know what it means to be confirmed. We have walked by and we have slapped him in the face. Now I'm flat on my back and I've had people say to me, I know I'm being punished and right you are. Jesus, you think he's going to give you up without a fight? you think that he's going to let you and me go to hell and not do something. He's going to stand and here comes sickness. You young friends, you have been talking to me about venereal disease. And I have been telling you that here is sickness that comes as a direct result of sin. Let men tell you that promiscuity is all right. But in promiscuity there will come two illnesses as sure as you're living. Gonorrhea or syphilis or both some of you young friends have asked me, which is the worst? When syphilis comes, that's the worst. It affects the brain. It affects the nervous system. It can be carried on to the next generation. You might bring children into the world who are retarded, who were crippled, who had, don't even have their minds. This is what can happen. When a man has been promiscuous and he has come up with this disease, he can say, this is punishment. God's given me a foretaste of hell. But we may say, what do you do then? What do you do then? We still turn to Jesus Christ. Remember the story of the gospel lesson today when they brought the man who was on the stretcher and Jesus looked at him. Here was a paralytic and the first thing Jesus said, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. He looked in that man's soul. And that man had greater need than to have his body healed. That man was miserable down in here. Whatever it was, it was bothering him. Jesus forgave him his sins. And if this is the conviction in your life and mine, that whatever our illness, we brought it on to ourselves and we are being punished because we turned our back on Jesus Christ, remember, friend, we can always turn around and ask him for forgiveness. We have Holy Communion today. Some may say, well, if my illness has been self-caused and this is the way I feel, I've turned my back on him and I have walked out on him, can I come to Holy Communion You may say, Jesus may snub me. He may give me his cold shoulder, but may I remind you that in the Lord's Supper, when he says, here is my body and my blood for every sinner that one said, he doesn't have a cold shoulder. This is his love and his mercy. There is no reluctance. He says, oh, fine, I'll forgive you. Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. And then he said, take up your bed and go home. that we may have the comfort But when we turn in repentance, even though we have that horrible conviction that our illness has been self-caused, to be able to say, I'm forgiven now, it's no longer punishment, perhaps now it's only going to be temporary. Perhaps it has accomplished its purpose, and now it is not going to remain. Now the comfort that it may be temporary regardless of its nature when we have come back to a living faith, have the joy of the forgiveness of sins. James was talking about something that plagues you and me, this thing of illness. It's always different, you know, when it hits you and me. And James says, I ask you to pray. You and I may say, James, I'd like to pray, and I'd like to pray for healing, but after all, what good does it do? I I've still got my illness. I'm still hurting. But James says, don't forget, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man it avails much; it brings tremendous result. Because James assures us, when you and I pray to God for healing, that this prayer joins us to our God, who has shown His mighty mercy in the Holy Spirit in bringing you and me to faith in Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be strange if, when we called upon God, whose mercy is immense and whose mercy has no beginning and no ending, it is so tremendous? that if in the Holy Spirit God has called you and me to faith, that when we see such tremendous results that we wouldn't when we ask him for healing, How many people do you and I know, isn't this the most disgusting thing and you can't understand? How many people do we know that we deal with every day who have nothing but scorn for the Word of God and for Christ? When you talk about them, they they wouldn't be caught dead in church. They're nice people. And you talk about the deity of Christ and they laugh at you. And you talk about the inspiration of Scripture and they think you're crazy. And you talk about Christ raised from the dead and they think that something's wrong. You're an idiot. And they have everything that you advance. Why don't you accept? By, no, 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 I don't want him. You and I say, what in the world's wrong? Yet they might carry a rabbit's foot in their pocket, but all oh, that horrible, intensive resistance against anything of God. And you and I would say, well, you might as well accept it even if it's wrong. It's better than to reject it. And yet the Holy Spirit has brought you and me and has overcome that woeful resistance in us. He has overcome it and brought you and me to faith in Christ. That we have accepted Jesus as the Savior. That we believe that he died and rose again. What a tremendous result of the mercy of God. We didn't deserve it. And therefore, James, that have you and me know that when God in his mercy and the Holy Spirit has brought such a tremendous result in your life and mine, then it's this Holy Spirit that also brings you and me to pray, not my will, but thy will be done in this illness. And then causes you and me to be an influence on the man who is willfully resisting the Holy Spirit to be a, simply an influence that you and I can never fathom. What happens? Maybe we're looking at the wrong spot. But when we pray for healing, we pray for healing to our God, knowing that he can do everything, and to know that he has saved us. Then the Holy Spirit leads you and me to say, Oh, heal me, God, if it be your will, if this is best for me if this is from the standpoint of my eternal welfare, if this is good, but nevertheless not my will, God, but your will be done. And oh, then we see some real results. When we stop murmuring, we've accepted it, and we've stopped complaining, and we know that it's God's will, and we rejoice in the fact that, again, God has given us strength to bear it. What an influence. James says, If a man err from the truth and you bring him back, he says, remember this, you have saved somebody from death. Maybe there's somebody in your family. Maybe it's your husband or your wife. Maybe it's your son or maybe it's your daughter. And perhaps this is why illness have come to you or to me, that in the way in which you and I accept it, in the way in which we receive it and we do not murmur and complain, in the way in which again we say, God, it's all right that we may be the influence that will save a husband or wife or a son or daughter from hell. And I venture to say all of us will say, lay it on. If the illness will save my husband or my wife that I love and my son that has gone astray and my daughter that doesn't care, lay it on, God, if I can save them from hell. It's all right. It's all right, God. Oh, yes, James says, if you're hurting be sure to pray. When you and I say, I'm going to pray for healing, and I know I'm going to look for results, I've evidently not been looking in the right place, then we're going to accept this, that when God says no, and when God says no, it's going to mean death, we will say to ourselves, this is the best answer. These are the best results. You know, the time's going to come in your life and mine when we're hurting into our body, we're going to pray for healing and we're going to look for results and and healing isn't going to come it's not only going to be permanent but it's going to be fatal that god's going to say i'm sorry son but my answer is no my answer is going to be death this is going to bring about death you and i may say what good does it do to pray why no is an answer to prayer a tremendous result and death is the best answer in healing because death then becomes the gateway to eternal life that god says i'm ready to take you home i want to bring you home with me i am ready now i've got you all set i have brought you so close to me but now you're weary And now this illness, I'm not going to take it away, and it's going to be fatal, and it's going to bring about your death. And Jesus would say, but I'll be right with you, and you can come, and you can live with me in the eternal mansions. James experienced this. We wonder, who was this James? There were two disciples, two apostles, you know, by the name of James, James the Greater and James the Less. Just James was not any one of them. James the Gator, you know, was, he was James the son of Zebedee who was the brother of John. And James the left was the son of Alphaeus. But we are told that the brothers of Jesus did not believe that Jesus was the Christ until after his resurrection. Now if you turn to Matthew 13, 55, you will find that four brothers of Jesus are mentioned. That he had brothers and one was named James and another was Joseph and one was Simon and one was Jude or Judas. This James here is the brother of Jesus. Which means this, that Mary was a virgin when she gave birth to Jesus. And the word of God says, and Joseph knew her not until Jesus was born. But the word of God leads us to believe that after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph had other sons, and here are four of them. And this James was a son of Mary and Joseph after Jesus was born. And the same way with Jude. And this James, the brother of the Lord, has a letter in the New Testament. And so did Jude. His name was Judas, but we call him Jude. He has a letter. He was called James the Just. He was the leader in the church in Jerusalem. And we are told that one day his enemies grabbed him and they maltreated him and put him on top of the temple in Jerusalem. And they said, you denounce Jesus Christ as the Son of God and we're going to throw you down. And he said, I will believe that my brother is no less than the Son of God. And they threw him down. He was praying too in suffering, but it ended in death. And on the way down, you know, he says to sing. And on the way down, I imagine he was again saying, Brother Jesus, you who are also my Savior, I'm coming home. Mother Mary, you who are my mother even as you were, the mother of Jesus, the Son of God, I'm coming home. Joseph, you are my father, I'm coming home. This is the greatest result, the greatest answer. That you and I may sing on the glory road. We can say, I prayed for health I have prayed for healing but now the answer is no and the answer is death tremendous wonderful the greatest that you and I can walk the glory road we can say everything is just fine to go to heaven in the eternal mansions my God and I we again My God and I, we walk into the field together. We walk and talk as good friends shouldn't do. We clasp our hands, our voices ring with laughter. My God and I walk through the meadows, you. We can walk it with my God and I as we go in the field with him. We can say, this earth will pass and whether it come and such as sickness and hurting in my body, but God and I will go unendingly. This is the great result. This is the great answer. God and I, when there will be no healing, when the answer is no, when the answer is death, we will say, all right, God, my God and I, we go unendingly. That's the best. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding, keeping and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting.